Serious Colleges is brought to you in part by Osiris Media. If you love live music, if you love music in general, and I know you do because you're listening to this right here, head on over to OsirisPod.com and find all the great shows up there uh, like Freak Flag Flying with David Crosby, uh, Dead to Me, uh, our sister podcast hosted by Casey Ray, Broke Down Pod hosted by our friend Jonathan Hart. Find all that and more at OsirisPod.com, who are partnered with Jambase. To bring you not just podcasts and videos, but live events as well. Osiris Media, killing it on the regular. Now let's get on with the show. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. Welcome back, fellow news lovers. You are now tuning into yet another exciting adventure with us on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, coming to you from a tiny shack just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where it is wonderful here, uh, wonderful this time of year. i got a great show for you this week, or the second show of this week. going to be talking about John Moreland and uh, talking about Americana and uh, talking about Bruce Springsteen a little bit. Joining me right now on the big show is Mr. Wes Covey. Um, hey, hey. This is, uh, is going to be a feels-a-rama, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've said to you on and off mic, uh, I do not accept feels of the Swedish or Nordic variety or where the fuck tallest man on earth is from. But maybe, just maybe, these American feels, like, I'm good with. Uh, and Moreland has them in spades. One thing I want to get to before we, we start talking about this album, um, I recently watched the uh, Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana, uh, and this is labeled as an Americana album, but I think we have this weird shifting like model of what Americana is uh, in 2020, uh, and, and I don't know that I would label this as that. So I, let's start, like, what, when somebody says this is an Americana album to you, what do you expect? There is going to be a certain tie to you know, American roots music, um, you know, there's going to be elements of the blues, there's going to be elements of country, there's going to be, um, you know, probably guitars, banjos, mandolins, you know, in that kind of instrumentation um, range. Um, I was always kind of confused and in some ways bothered when I was first hearing the phrase Americana or the word Americana, um, kind of just like, why isn't this just country music, you know, and, and as a fan of, of good country music, I was always, you know, I mean, it's that thing that everyone just says all the time, like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, just, I like every, I like all kinds of music, but I just hate country music. It's like, well, you know, th that whole just like classic level, do you like Johnny Cash? Do you like Merle Haggard? Do you like George Jones? Well, yeah, of course I like that stuff. It's just, you know, the new, and like, you know, so, so that like, I can see having a different word, but it's like, that's what country is, not the newer stuff that you're saying you don't right, like right. um but so I, I do feel like to a certain extent americana has kind of come in as being like you know acceptable country for you know people with a heart um yeah 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 i, I think i think that's about right there's a uh nickel and rose uh band here in milwaukee just wrote a fantastic song uh called americana that you should check out that uh 
painted in a, in a more uh, the racial implications of, mm. of that music. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic song, fantastic band. Uh, you know, when I hear it, yeah, I've seen it mutate over the years. You know, long ago, you could take a band like Wilco and they would be considered Americana. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's gone from a weird. Uh, where it was just if you just had an acoustic guitar, like people didn't know where to put it to sell it. Yeah. Uh, to an actual thing, I mean, I think it's it's like any scene, like punk, uh, emo, anything. You know, the, the people a lot of times practitioners of this uh, are uh, living a lifestyle. So there's like literally lots of suspenders, lots of vests, and uh, and a, and a somewhat predictable outcome in the music. And and I, it's funny because I think. Uh, the reason I wanted to define this was John Moreland, I think, definitely falls into this, but I think he kind of has defied, like, what uh, this actually can be. He was uh, he was uh, into hardcore, really, mm-hmm. um, before he got into songwriting at all. And Steve Earle, who is, you and I would call country. Yeah, yeah, sure <laughs> um, is. But, but he is. But he is Americana. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and got into that and, and you definitely hear this in this music. Um, bringing it back to the Taylor Swift documentary is you know she had a history in country mm-hmm. and uh now she is, is the were if not one of the biggest the biggest pop star in the world and she's gonna stay there yeah. like they, this yeah. is the rarefied air that people get into where uh they just uh for lack of a better term un, unimpeachable careers <laughs> um, and too big to fail for the pop star version but but it was funny because what i noticed in watching that was her insistence part of americana is that it implies that you are uh, of the people, of the common people, mm-hmm. um, whatever that definition is going to be. And and this this thing went out of its way to sort of paint her as that. And it was it was it made me start thinking about, in, specifically in terms of this album, is what about this music? Do we react in this certain way? Because if I think Taylor Swift is now Americana, and maybe she has been in the past. But uh, then I'm going to add a weird air of legitimacy to it mm. that I don't know that any of this stuff often, like, earns. Hmm. Uh, you know, country music, we've seen it go for <sighs> to the extremes. But, uh, you know, it used to be talking about values, whatever those are. Yeah. Uh, it used to be talking uh, a lot of times about church was stuff in there, you know, like old blues songs and stuff. To now, it's just like uh, beer and titties. And, right. You know, yeah. and. No, and all those things have the, have their own place, right? Sure, right. I mean, oh, yes. we're the, we're not going to listen to the beer and titty song so much anymore, but somebody's no, but, going to, and maybe yeah. that's important to their development. And if you can um, write a good beer and titty song, great. Like it's, I mean, it's just like the the, the my my issue with most of that stuff is just that it's crap, you know. Like the world yeah. doesn't need more bad beer and titty songs or movies or whatever, you know. But like. Make a good one? Cool. All right. Let's hear it. I, I would argue that the world doesn't need any more. It just needs one no, beer and titty song. <laughs> <laughs> just, just but, one beer. But just please make it good. That's all I'm saying. Yes, just please make it good. So, I mean, I don't know if that's Florida Georgia Line. I don't know. Maybe that's Sturgill's next move. I don't know. Um, it, it's certainly, though, uh, to get to uh, John Moreland, it's certainly not John Moreland's next move. Mm-hmm. Uh, this album is the first album he wrote uh, with a producer that wasn't him. Uh, and, and it came out of uh, sort of a writer's block. And this is something that I, I was looking into, like this, the creation of this album. And uh, I love this quote, and it resonated with me. I think it's going to resonate with you and anybody who, who creates anything. Because one of the ways I got back into liking music again was to let go of the idea that every time I'd go mess around with an instrument, I'd have to be writing a really good song. 
He said, I just gave myself the freedom to go into my little music room every day, mess around with different instruments and different sounds. It doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to result in anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, for no other reason, like that places this up on, yeah. on high on my list. Of things the, yeah. to, that is just an amen brother moment right there. Yes, it is like an amen brother. Is, but yeah. but the, the proof for that is, is in, in the uh, pudding, so to speak. And uh, so I want to... The, one of the first tracks that actually stood out to me is, uh, simply because it's an expertly written track, is this song, uh, East October. Looking backwards, all my pictures look like sandals of stolen scriptures. We were children dressed up like men. It's got all the elements of Americana. It's got a nice electric piano. It's got a nice country baritone voice. Um, it's got some nice, it's some nice feels and stuff. But I swear to God, uh, I think this is the component that really gets people and, and gets people in a great song. Once you get to that chorus, mm-hmm. you cannot escape that song. Mm-hmm. There is, there is nothing. Um, I, I don't even know what he says other in that song. But there's a relatability uh, that happens with a lot of John Moreland stuff, and I think this is the biggest strength of this album is the relatability. Is like this is not just a guy you know. This is like these are feelings that you know, mm-hmm. and you don't always talk about. Uh, and and you know that is a very vulnerable feeling. Um, it can be at different states of just like you know you miss your partner or somebody right. or like you fucked up and like they aren't you broke up whatever it is, yeah. but you know that feeling and you can make it your own and and in that little like uh, how am I gonna get by <laughs> on my own like it it uh, erases almost the rest of the song and and it becomes almost like an instant classic yeah. And that's some serious chops, man. Well, he can do that. That is one of the things that I'll say with a number of his songs. When I hear them, it feels like he's doing a classic country song. And yeah. like you kind of want to look up and see, like, did was that some, like, you know, obscure George Jones tune that you haven't heard, you know? Yeah. Um, and then it, and it's, it isn't. And, and that's I think that's one of the key things that he really does. Um, it's a certain craftsmanship that he brings, um, you know, that has that classic thing while, while not feeling boring, while not feeling stale. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think one of the really key things with him, and you've sort of hinted at this a little bit already, is, um, and it's a word that I see around him a lot, is honesty. Um, And I think that there's a couple different reasons. One is that voice. Like, he has, 
an ability and you know certain singers can do this um you know and it's not it's not even tied in with whether or not you are a good singer in a technical sense you know are you getting all your notes are you like you know do you ever off key any of those things very different from do people believe what you're saying yeah. Um, and that's one of the first things that I really felt with him. Some of his earlier stuff, I've, I've, you know, loved his last couple of records. I've been a fan mm-hmm. for a while. Um, some of the stuff is a little more on the rocking side, um, than I tend to prefer, but I've given him a lot more time and chance because I believe him. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, when you're talking about feels and especially, you know, you as somebody who doesn't always get behind the feels, um, <laughs> right, right, right. Not, not always, um, yeah. or ever, um, but you're going to get behind Moreland's feels, partially because there is a certain universality. It's, you know, it is something that everyone has felt and experienced. But the other thing is just that he delivers it. Um, and when he says, how am I ever going to get by all by myself? You believe that this is a struggle that he's facing. And even if he's made the mistakes, even if he was the asshole in the relationship and now right, you right, know his right. partner is gone, you're just kind of like... All right, but I want to give you a second chance, buddy. Like, let's see if we can help you through this yeah, and turn you into a better man. Let's you talk know? it through, man. Let's talk it through. Yeah, I, I think that's the power of this album. I think, you know, uh, it, it's it's weird. So, mentioned that this is the first time he's used an outside producer. Uh, one of the things that stands out here is that they immediately went to a late uh, '80s, early '90s Springsteen vibe, uh, much like our friend Israel Nash mm-hmm. is ripping off Neil Young and can mm-hmm. expect to be sued every like any day now. <laughs> I think I think John with this record is going to be facing that problem. Um, but you yeah, know, but he you doesn't use at, as many horns, so at least there's. He doesn't use the horns. It's a but much like, smaller band, and, and that's the one thing that I yeah. will say because I I want to like Springsteen. I really well, do. Well, those like, those albums, albums were love, those but. albums. He fired the E Street Band, so yeah, he was true. like he was yeah. done. Yeah. And so you right. have like songs like Brilliant Disguise mm-hmm. and stuff of Lucky Town, and mm-hmm. uh, and it was a Human Touch. Uh, which Still is, often a bigger sound than I want to go for. Yeah. Marlon does that really well, keeping it smaller. But, but by placing it in the past and placing it in that, like that for me adds uh, even more legitimacy to mm-hmm. it because, like, it's like, wait, is this guy working with Springsteen now? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? But also, like, there's points on this, you know, I thought it was just a passing train. Um, the production gets into stuff that there were keyboards on the early uh, or late 80s uh, Springsteen albums, but using Moog and synth on a song like that, and then coming in and sounding like just like Billy Gibbons on the vocals. Save it for the scene In the shadow of your mind Save it for the scene In the shadow of your mind This life is but a moment <laughs> There's this guy's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, so just north of Texas, obviously, um, and uh, and he is like mining at this point this history of music that he grew up on, and it's the I think it's it's like all the right things right now that he was feeling, and that was that's unexpected. You, you get to another song uh, like Terrestrial, mm-hmm. and that is that is nothing like really anything else. No, I was frozen and fumbling. For the true thing to say I swear I'd have had the words If I'd have seen you from ten years away I got all these wheels turning I got love left to learn I got candles that burn at both ends Now and then I shall return
fantastic. When those pianos begin, that is just, uh, that's, uh, that's the shit. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the goodness that you want. Out of and I would say that I generally don't want that. Like when I start, like I, I hear some of the certain production choices on here and they're things that I wouldn't necessarily, if you tell me you're doing that on one of the songs, I would say, no, I don't mm. think that's a good idea. But it it works really really well on this record. Um, yeah, it's it's and it sounded it, it's so fleshed out on this. Uh, you go further into the record, and there's a little more electronic stuff. You mentioned the track uh, for Ichiro. Yeah, for Ichiro. Yeah, uh, that that's a really great one. Really um, surprising but, one. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's just like a short little uh, minute and forty two yeah. uh, second song. There's a little interludes on here. Uh, it, it is. I always sort of give the side eye to artists who who try to reinvent a genre or anything you know so they took americana but like with electronics and uh and he he said nothing but there's nothing about that on here uh and people talking about it but in 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 many ways i think he did and i think he evolved his sound you know this is why you advocate for people to find producers they can bring something yeah. out of you that maybe you didn't even know was there. Yeah, a good producer will find that, will hear things in your songs. And that's something, I mean, it is really hard as a songwriter to necessarily always hear what the right arrangement is going to be or something mm -hmm. like that. Because you hear, you know, if, if you write a song on an acoustic guitar, for example, um, it's a really impressive and challenging thing for somebody to be able to write that song and hear other instruments on top of it, you know, or if you mm -hmm. write a song on the piano or, you know, something like that, um, to then hear those other instruments. And those are some of the great things. Um, I've been reading, um, like actually we're reading, but, um, Sam Cook's, uh, biography by Peter Gralnick, oh, yeah. um, which, you know, it's a fantastic book. And, and obviously Sam Cook is, is, you know, a hugely important figure in American music to say it mildly, um, and all of that. But one of the things that's really interesting is that for a guy who was basically untrained musically other than <laughs> in the pits um, of, you know, the gospel scene where you learn it hands-on, but like, you know, he wasn't studying music theory. Um, and yet one of the things that everyone kind of says about him, like the, the, the arrangers who would work together and like write the charts for his groups would say he could just come in and hum all the different instruments and he would tell you you know i want the oboe to be playing this and he would hum it i want you know this and, and that's just like to be able to hear that in his head is a remarkable mm -hmm. thing and um you know so a good producer to be able to do that sometimes you need that i think that that bit of of stepping away from something that you've created yourself yeah um, i i think not even just just to hear it in our heads i i mean i'm i'm of the belief that we all like have that uh in our inner monologue. Although I just, actually, I forget where it was. I read an article that said some people don't, which is weird as fuck. Oh, I saw the headline lead, that's, today. That's yeah. the lead of the article, so, Oh, you know, man, no, I, I'm kind of more on that and the <laughs> lack of inner dialogue part. Right. That's, yeah, it's a different but, conversation, but... Yeah, but, uh, but, but I think it, it is in the, uh, getting it out, which the, uh, first step to that is being willing to get it out and being willing to, uh, essentially, like, share your feelings, yeah. if that's what you're gonna have. I mean, obviously... If you're writing uh, or in the band Poison, <laughs> I, those, those aren't really feelings that uh, you're sharing. Uh, but, you know, uh, that, that's a outlier <laughs> of a bygone age. Um, and Moreland has the advantage of his voice. Uh, he has the advantage of, of basically just being kind of obsessed with songwriting. Mm -hmm. He's been doing it for, like, since he was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and... For me, this comes together on this album honestly better than anything like he's ever done. I, and I, yeah. and I, 
I hate to, I don't like often like to be like this is their this is their finest work. But for me, like an artist that I was like, he's out there, he's singing songs, but they aren't really resonating with me. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I'm what I'm trying to do is figure out why this resonates. I've given a few reasons, but it just. Uh, I put this on mm-hmm. and just in the background, and it and you know it's interesting you say Sam Cooke, it feels like a familiar record like that. Yeah, yeah, yep. You know, it's there's like, something you, really you know, comforting and soothing about that kind of thing, and Sam Cooke is definitely in that place. You know, you can put him on and feel better, and that's one of the things I think is interesting with Moreland. He sings sad songs, and yet you kind of feel better. Um, you know, part of it is just that kind of like shared experience thing, but part yeah. of it is just there. There is a certain comfort in the way that he delivers it. Um, you know, as somebody who's um, you kind of feel like is going through the same stuff and will actually like, I don't know, like, is it is it a sense that, that you feel like he would spend the time with you going through it together or something like right. that? They just like you feel like there's a genuine connection being made with him as an artist. You know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it <laughs> it works. And that's always hard to define because like I don't like I, I personally don't I try not to look at music and consider it based on like oh that was a sick like guitar part yeah oh yeah. that was a sick drum part the, the the holisticness of a song is what's important to me because that's where all the humanity is gonna it's where you're gonna find it yeah does it all come together is it a machine doing this and sure. then can that machine like you know make sense and this it does and yeah. um and uh and yeah it's just when i hear something like this that uh kind of kind of rocks like my my worldview of what this should be mm-hmm. uh it, it, it comes a point where you just have to sort of let go and just let it let it be let it yeah. be like yeah okay this is this just is that's what happens great. when somebody does something really well and again it doesn't have to is be, that what it is i i, I mean it, i think there's a lot of different times that might happen you know you hear i don't know that gets gets i think that reaction gets pulled out by a few different things, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, like, you know, nobody's going to put on this album and think, man, I've never heard anything like this before. Right. Maybe if you're talking about some of those production choices, some of those arrangements, um, you know, as I said, I put this on on headphones for the first time earlier um, and heard some stuff um, in the arrangements that I definitely have not heard before. So there is that part of just kind of right. like, all right, yeah, he is doing right. new stuff. You know, but at the same time, like, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, like, are you just doing Americana with electronics? Like, that's not impressive. And yet you go back, like, you know, Beth Orton and her earlier stuff, like, that was probably more called sure. alt-country at that sure. point. You know, that's another <laughs> another of those terms to bring in. But, you know, she did some really impressive stuff um, with what was, you know, basically acoustic songwriting along with electronics. And, you know, there are some other artists doing some of that stuff um, at that time period. And, you know, but, but when something is done right when it's done well enough when it's done with wisdom um and caring um yeah you know and 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 moreland is wise that's something that like you know i i'm kind well, of we think agreement. he is we yeah think that's, that's the trick like that's right, the, right. I, he I, makes I, us believe that he is yeah, yeah yeah and maybe that's it i don't know you know but i mean he's got some great lyrical tricks um here and there mm-hmm. where you kind of hear some of those lines you're just like oh that's clever i've never heard that before you know and stuff like that and and definitely some of i mean as i said like you know i've really enjoyed his last um two albums in particular but you know some of his other stuff um and mostly what that means is that there are some songs that really jump out at me and then some other ones that i'm not as into um mm-hmm. and part of that is that this one is a little bit more of a consistent feel um you know I, I have said before i'm not as huge of a rock fan um and you know there's a lot of the kind of like 70s country rock stuff that i love yeah, um yeah. 
but you know, not as big on some of this stuff. The like, more like, kind of like barroom blues um, approach and stuff like that. I'm not as big on, but this one is really working for me as a general sound. Yeah, it, it, honestly, I'm, I'm fascinated too that Dave Cobb didn't produce this. Um, you know, he he worked. Uh, he went out on tour with Jason Isbell. Uh, people are going to make a lot of comparisons to that, and, yeah. I, and I think yeah. I think to at least southeastern. Um, yeah. uh, those comparisons are valid, I think, because uh, Isbell did something on that album that he hadn't done before, and it, it just all like came together. And I yeah. know the Isbell stands out there will disagree with me, and that's fine. You can send me an email. Well, I'm on board with you on that one that I don't think yeah. he's hit that level since. Uh, he's yeah. written some yeah. great stuff since. I've liked some of his stuff a lot. There's been some other stuff I haven't liked as much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think you know, for both of us, Southeastern is the one where he really nailed it. Yeah, and, and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so so for me, like this is actually going to be the one that I reach for yeah. for John Moreland. Uh, yeah. I'm certainly digging back into the catalog now. Uh, I'm not I'm, I'm hearing where this came from, but I'm not like immediately grabbed by it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm fascinated by why that is. And I think I'm going to continue to just explore that like throughout the yeah. year, like listening to this and figure that out. Uh, maybe just stopping people on the street and asking them. <laughs> Like, listen to this. Can you tell me why I don't like it? <laughs> well, you know, one thing that's interesting. So so I I first heard about Moreland um, with two things that happened in a very short time period. You know, one of these, like, mm-hmm. looking back a couple of years, I, I remember it as basically happening, like, within the same week. And it was certainly, a, a, like, close in time. And I don't remember which one of these came first. But a friend of mine um, just sent me a text message. Uh, my buddy Sam often will just send uh, YouTube videos. Um and he sent me a message, and I think it was actually from Stephen Colbert's show. Um, but yeah, it was, it was. Um, and um, John Morley did a, you know just the solo performance, um, just him mm-hmm. acoustic guitar um, on there, and it was it was really impressive. And it was just kind of one of those like, all right, got to check this guy out. Um, and as I said, I can't remember which one came first, but right around the same time, um, it was when his album um, Big Bad Love, um, I think I had right. that title right, um, 2017 album um, had just come out, and. Um, MC Taylor from his Golden Messenger um, had shared it on Instagram. It's one of the cool things that um, that MC Taylor does with his Instagram page yeah. is share records and you know kind of say like you know if you like my stuff like check this out or or just in general like this is a good album you should hear it. Um, and I remember him calling it a forever album, um, which I really like that that term. You know, it's kind yeah. of a different way of saying like Desert Island Disc or whatever it is. You know, but it's just like this is something that is worth spending some time with. And I will say my reaction was a little mixed. There's songs on it that I said absolutely, and then there's some stuff that I didn't like as much. Um, I like High on Tulsa Heat, the album right before that, a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that one's also a little closer in sound to this one in some ways. But uh, but there's some just gorgeous writing on some of those earlier ones. But you get the feeling – I mean he has talked along with this album about having come to a different place himself, um, mm-hmm. You know, finding certain – forms of inner peace if you want to say it that way or just like a contentment and an acceptance of of his life and things like that and um feeling like he's got he's he's speaking from a different place um now yeah. i think that really comes through on this one yeah and, and that uh you know and we've we've talked a lot about this is that uh, in 2020 i don't know that anybody really needs to care about uh, white man feelings <laughs> to put it, I mean, to put it bluntly, yeah. Uh, certainly, you know, they're important in our development, but somehow uh, I found myself on this, like, considering that and caring about that, and mm-hmm. and being like, oh yeah, it's uh, they're they're the bigger things that we need to concern ourselves with right now, uh, much bigger. But uh, you do have to step back and take time uh, for this more uh, internal, more uh, personal um, 
singular stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, part of what I was thinking earlier, um, you know, when you were just mentioning the way this kind of fits into the tradition and, and, you know, when we're talking, even just when you're talking about Americana and what does that mean and all that, you know, you go to, uh, we've talked a few times in this show about Phil Cook, um, you know, from yeah. his Golden Messengers band and, um, and a you know, number of other bands and his concept of the, you know, tree of American music. And, and Moreland does strike me as somebody who is connected with that core. Yeah. Maybe you know, that's he's, a, he's tied right? to the trunk. And, and so maybe that's what it is that, you know, maybe he, maybe he doesn't need to be consciously, you know, copying yeah. or, or working in somebody's style or anything like that. Um, I mean, he is still <laughs> relatively, he's, he's comparatively young. He's 34, 35, something like that, I yeah. think. And, you know, it definitely like by his own admission, kind of still figuring out what he's doing with this stuff. And, um, you know, that's all very fair, but I just feel like he is tapped into something um, that gets into the, core or the heart of human the experience truth of it. Yeah, yeah the truth exactly and and that's where i think it comes down you know i, I said before in in, in our, our scandalous conversation about tallest man on earth that <laughs> you know i i can see where you're coming from on some of those like why do we care about the i can very much see where you're coming from and why yeah. do we care about the feelings of the white guys you know but mm-hmm. at the same time like you know my answer at that time is just that i care about humans feelings and i care about human suffering um and i'm not going to write off one person's suffering based on any of those characteristics, you know, their, their gender, right. their sexuality or their color, you know, any of those things. But, you know, I mean, it is just like, obviously there are very different levels of, you know, the suffering and the causes and things like that. And unfortunately, I mean, the fact, one of these other kind of brutal truths is that a lot of other people's suffering has been because white guys have decided that they are, you have more value in that there. And yeah. therefore, because white guys have been in this position of power, that their feelings are more important. Um, yeah, and that that puts you it better know. than I could have. I mean, that that, that is uh, uh, that is an issue with a lot of of this music, and so mm-hmm. I think when it you get something that maybe rises above that, uh, uh, it's probably something to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's complicated it, territory, you know. It, um, it's it super is, and even though like it, uh, I, I wouldn't even suggest like Moreland should be thinking about any of that while he's making this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, but I know like for example Phil you know he succeeds is because the purity of what he's trying to do he understands the context and he's trying to like connect to it yeah he doesn't then that's that's the mission yeah and I think um, Moreland is doing that and uh, I cannot uh, I'll be paying attention from here on yeah he's yeah. he's worth paying the attention <laughs> so uh, LP five is should be out now. I think, yeah. And uh, so if not, it'll be out soon. Go out and get it. Can take a quick break, come back, uh, play some more tunage, and then uh, run this thing out. See you later, Wes. Yep. Better ask the bloodstained sky. Moreland's LP5 is available everywhere you can buy fine records. I suggest you go out and do that now. I'm certainly going to. I, I quite love this record. Um, 
as you might have guessed. And uh, and what I'm more excited about is to be able to dig back into his catalog and and sort of explore uh, this artist that I had previously just not uh, not ignored, but I just it just didn't land for me on my radar too much, even though it was all around me. Uh, which is kind of the great thing about being a music fan in 2020, or just in general, is like there's always new stuff to discover, even if it's old stuff. Um, so, John Moreland's LP5, get it. Uh, speaking of new stuff to discover and explore, guitarist Jesse Shepard and Drew Gardner have made a name for themselves as Elkhorn, a uh, acoustic electric duo, uh, on both on guitars. If you had to describe their sound, it might be best described as acid folk. Uh, they bring together folk elements but introduce modern improvisation to the whole thing. And the results are uh, – they're rad. They're rad as fuck, and they're, they're completely uh, unique. They have a new album out called The Storm Sessions, which is recorded with their friend Turner Williams. It actually reminds me a lot of the uh, Rosenau and Sanborn uh, Bluebird album from last year but uh they were supposed to be playing a gig and i uh, got snowed in and what do you do when you get snowed in you make an album so that's what they did uh the track we're gonna play is electric one part b it is long but it's also uh it's it's great it's wonderful so what i want you to do right now is uh chillax a little bit and prepare yourself for the soothing yet heady sounds of elkhorn uh, here is electric one part b
one part B, uh, as I said, pretty red, pretty dang red. So uh, you can go out and get that now. It's up on Bandcamp. I think uh, I saw there's uh, maybe the vinyls already sold out, uh, but uh, definitely check them out. Check them out when they come to your town. I know they're coming to D.C. in March, um, but not sure about the rest of the tour, but we'll have links to their website and tour dates and all in the show notes. And with that, we are out of here. That is it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, uh, do the thing. Subscribe to us. Tell your friends about us. Follow us on our socials at, at Chunky Glasses, uh, which is pretty much everywhere, all the, all the services. Uh, you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that may be. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we are um, going to be talking about some classic albums, I think. February 
it's turning out to be a little slow. So we're going to be doing that as we sort of peak into March. But I know uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, so I think we're going to be talking about the uh, Peter Gabriel album Us. So maybe if you haven't revisited that for a while, uh, give it a spin. It's one of my favorite albums, and uh, my friend Drew is going to be joining me. So, so uh, get ready for that. That's, that's going to be a fun one. Trust me. We'll be back next week. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!